Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. Today we have episode 309 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for being here with me today. We have another fun hand from the 2550 No Limit Hold'em Cash Game that took place on Poker Night in America. Make sure you check them out if you have not already on TV, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, all over the place. Here's a hand against Dan Zak, good, strong GTO player. He's playing about 40, I'm sorry, about 80 big blinds deep, $4,000 deep at 2550. He raises it up with jack nine of clubs, and I get ace nine offsuit on the button. This is a hand that I am definitely going to three bet or fold. If I think that he thinks I'm a little bit tight, I'm definitely going to three bet it. If he, if I think he thinks I'm a little bit loose and active, I'm definitely going to fold. So that's how I'm usually deciding one way or the other. But also it's important to note, we are about two hours into an eight hour session. We know we're playing eight hours. We know we're going to be in these same seats. So when that's the case, I definitely like being aggressive early in the session against the players on my right, because that's going to result in them feeling as if they have to tighten up a little bit. And if they have to tighten up a little bit, it lets me get way more preflop opening spots. So he has a hand that is very nice to call with. Jack-9 suited flops amazingly well, so he should call and see the flop. Flop comes ace-queen-7, giving me top pair, backdoor nut flush draw, and giving him a flush draw. So now... I have a very clear marginal made hand, right? If I bet this flop and get raised, I'm pretty unhappy. So I don't necessarily want to do that. If I bet this flop and get called, I could very easily be in a bad spot. But if I check behind the flop, I can call basically every turn bet and a lot of river bets if it runs off blanks, right? Also, the nice thing about checking is I have induced a lot of bluffs. So while there is merit in getting protection here, I think it's fine to check behind with your marginal aces, hands like pocket kings, um, stuff like that. I think checking behind with a queen is fine too. So I'm going to be checking behind a pretty strong but still marginal range. So turn is a 10 of hearts, giving him all the outs in the deck. They claim only 11. Feels like it should be more. This is a situation where now he should be betting with a very polarized range of his best made hands and draws. And that's going to be two pairs, sets, straights, and straight draws and flush draws. And that's exactly what he has here. With his draws that don't have showdown value, he definitely wants to be betting, and he wants to be betting big. So pots a thousand, and he does bet a thousand. He pots it. Nice solid bet size. Notice this sets up a river shove for him, which, you know, is actually gonna be kind of dicey for me in this scenario. Because if I call this turn and the river is scary at all, it's very marginal. But that said, when you check behind the flop, you definitely want to continue calling on the turn with the best marginal made hands in your range. And, well, that's what we have, right? River's a 10 of heart. I'm sorry. River's the ace of, ace of spades, which is awful for him. Because now, if he does have a busted draw, well, I'm way more likely to have an ace or a queen at that point. If I have an ace or a queen, I'm at least going to consider calling the pot size bet. And if you go back to the range I listed to check behind on the flop, it's going to be a whole lot of hands like an ace, which is obviously calling, a queen, which very easily could call, pocket kings. And, you know, to be fair, I would have checked behind with like king nine of diamonds on the flop and just gave up, but realize I would not have called the turn with king nine of diamonds, so that's not even in my range anymore. So maybe he could bet me out of it off of a hand like jack 10 or king 10 of clubs, something like that. But it's a tough spot where, yes, you do want to have some bluffs because you would like to be betting with your nut hands as well. But because you don't really want to be bluffing into someone's obviously strong range, it's 
okay to give up with some of the bluffs that completely lack showdown value. Uh, that said, if I was in his shoes, I just would have gone all in. I would have hated it. And uh, well, <laughs> I'd be $3,000 poorer in this point in time. But he decides to check. And now I have to decide if I want to value bet. And I have two. I have three options. I can check, I can go all in, or I can go for a medium bet. And I'll go ahead and tell you what I did. I went for a medium bet. And I actually don't like a medium bet. A medium bet is great when my opponent has a whole lot of worse made hands that are still pretty good, like ace-five or king-queen. Is he really potting the turn with ace-five or king-queen? I mean, maybe ace-five, but probably not. And notice I block that pretty hard, and the board blocks that. So the ace-five is very unlikely. And I don't think king-queen would have um, bet the turn like that. Why would king-queen pot the turn? It doesn't make sense, right? I mean, I listed what he's probably doing, of betting uh, his best-made hands and his draws. And king-queen is not a best-made hand on ace-queen-7-10. So this is definitely a mistake by me on the river against a good, strong GTO player. If I was playing against a much weaker, much splashier player who did not understand good turn betting strategy, I don't mind this bet nearly as much because then when they do bet the turn big but then check the river, they are going to have a whole lot of worse ace-x and queens. And they'll probably call a 1600 bet, whereas they will not call an all-in. Um, another thing worth mentioning is Damzak, like I said, is a good player. He doesn't care about... Um, well, he doesn't care about saving his stack, right? A lot of recreational players would really not want to get stacked. A lot of people really don't want to get stacked when they're on TV. And for that reason, I would use a smaller bet against them because they're going to be way more likely to call if it leaves them some money. Whereas if I jam, they're not going to have any money left. Obviously, well, I say obviously, I presume Dan Zach doesn't care about that because like I said, he's just a good, strong player. So that, that concept doesn't really apply either. So there's a lot of these concepts to, that make it to where this small-ish bet size could be reasonable, but they are horribly misapplied in this scenario by me, and that is a big mistake. It's always good to watch hands and analyze hands and realize sometimes you screw up, and when you screw up, try to figure out why. And I can probably tell you why. We're sitting here playing um, you know, in front of a lot of people, playing, uh, I'm playing a tough game against a tough opponent, and I probably forgot that this was the strongest player at the table by a mile and i was used to playing against all the other loose splashy players at the table and i probably added my brain all right play as if we're playing against loose splashy players yet that's not who i'm against big big mistake by me doesn't cost me which is nice that's the thing is that usually when you make errors like this or sometimes you make errors like this they don't actually cost you but when they do it's just detrimental and i do think dan zach is a good enough player to bet a hand like ace jack on the turn and then check call it on the river or perhaps even bet a hand like ace queen on the turn and check call it on the river or pocket tens and check call it on the river, right? So if he's ever capable of slow playing, which I'm sure he is, then I really, really dislike my bet. If he was way more straightforward and just generally not as good, then I think my bet becomes at least reasonable. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on this. I think I screwed up and I'm sharing it with all of you today. <laughs> Hope you enjoy seeing me mess up. Since I made these mistakes, I've studied a lot and I've gotten way better. And I made the Cash Game Masterclass since then. If you want to learn how to not make this mistake that I just made two years ago on Poker Night in America, check out pokercoaching.com slash premium. There I have loads and loads of content for you, including my exclusive, extensive cash game masterclass that has 29 parts plus lots and lots of quizzes to help you become the best cash game player you can be. And I've taken many players from being losing cash game players over the last nine months since I made it. Now they are crushing 2-5 and 5 to no limit hold'em. Some of them are making $100 an hour at this point, and they have changed their lives because they've worked hard and they've studied 
and they've developed an implementable strategy they can use to beat their opponents, which is very different than the GTO strategy, which is very often very difficult to implement. It's important to make sure that whatever strategy you're learning is both good and playable. And that's what I teach over at pokercoaching.com premium. So go there, check it out. Thanks for watching. Good luck in your games. And I'll talk to you next time.